Well, hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast with Seth and Nerva Reddy. This is Stephen Robles, and normally you would hear me talk about Impact 360 a little bit, but first, I want brothers Seth and Nerva to talk about Impact 360 because they are yeah. there right are live in, in the Holy Land, yes, Jerusalem. <laughs> That's right. No, we we are we are on the campus, man. Mm-hmm. We've been here how many days, babe? Uh, almost two weeks. Right? Almost two weeks. Yeah. That's awesome, and it's amazing. It's like it, it literally is one of our probably one of the, our favorite things we do every year. Yep. And it's, so what, this is the two-week Impact 360 camp, and who is it for, and what is the general kind of curriculum that they do there? You know, it's, uh, it's, I think it's for high school students, yeah. and it's called Immersion. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you have any kids in high school, you know some kids in high school uh, that, you know, they're, they're Christians or even they, maybe they struggle in their, in their faith and they're skeptical or whatever it is, they are about to open up enrollment for next year's summer um, uh, immersion, yeah, okay, great. immersion which, yes. which is a two-week one and a one-week one called Propel. Gotcha. And so I'd say run, not walk. Yes. Don't walk it's because it so fills up really fast. Good, yeah. And I think they only take in 65 students for yeah, each one. Yeah, and quite a wow. few students are returning. They're saying they want to come back next year and do the program again. And right. It's, it's amazing. So by the time you hear this, it'll actually be open for enrollment. We, okay. And we'll put that link uh, to the website, as we always yeah. do underneath the episode. But, yeah, so the um, – the the camp itself, man, it, it's called immersion for good reason. Like you are immersed in some in like teaching. They the first thing they do is they take their cell phones away. Yes, for which the whole is, weeks, which is huge. So that's intense in itself. Like for twenty four seven. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Like, that's yes. it. That's it. And so they go through wow. withdrawals. You know, they they flop around like fish for a little bit, but then mm. <laughs> by the end, they don't even want it back. But um, right. you know, it's. So, so what it is, it's in-depth worldview, Christian worldview and oh, apologetics training, awesome. but it's holistic as well. So they, they spend time developing c- kind of the student from, from a holistic place hmm. with an emphasis on apologetics. So day one, I think they have a guy come in, uh, Brett Kunkel, and he, he basically shows up and he role plays an atheist. They don't know that he's role playing, but he basically hmm. spends like an hour or two just kind of addressing these kids what they would what they would run into at a typical college professor or whatever so some of the kids don't even know that he's that he's doing this role play thing and so they're coming back at him some of them some of some of them have a heads up so they they're kind of messing around but anyways it just shows them kind of like hey can you do you understand the christian worldview can you explain it and defend it when someone comes up Mm -hmm. and he tells his story about when he got to college as one of his uh philosophy professors really took his faith apart step by step up and wow. it wasn't until later on when he came into contact with with Christian apologetics that he was kind of able to to maintain his faith and, and come back out of that place of doubt and so that's one of the the, the first couple of days they spend doing that the, another guy comes in and teaches about Islam mm-hmm. mm. they actually go to a mosque and attend it and wow. kind of experience Questions, what it's yeah. like and they analyze it afterwards um, they talk about everything from LGBTQ to abortion to wisdom, you know, yeah. wisdom for life. They, they give them a lot of practical yeah, practical tools just for living life Lots well. of information on the Bible and how to know it's reliable, The um, hmm. all of the uh, translations, the transmissions of the, the text and things and questions like that. And, and they do a lot of leadership uh, training as well in between yeah. these activities. Like they go um, – 
lots of activities. I mean, they come in kind of worn out and tired, but it's team building, leadership. There's fun. They go whitewater rafting. And yeah, um, every day they're doing like, yeah. and I don't know how because it's like 110 degrees out here, but they're doing like right. team yeah. challenges outside and <laughs> yeah, yeah, the kids yeah. are loving it. I think it was started by the uh, Trudy Kathy and her husband oh, uh, okay. the camp. And so there's a connection yeah. with Chick-fil-A. So, you know, there's Chick-fil-A sauces for days, yeah. uh, fries and nuggets. <laughs> it's the land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's nearing the end of the two weeks, but I'm telling you, like, the, the testimonies of the, their hearts being transformed, knowing what they believe and why, being better able to articulate it, and just really, really having the substance of the faith just really, really explained to them, and they're able to take it in and own it for themselves before they go off to college is exactly. powerful. So tonight, and, and Nerva and I, are, we're teaching worship, and we lead worship um, most mornings, most nights, and so... Mm. Just teach them about it more in depth, and then tonight we kind of stopped and gave the kids a moment to testify yeah. uh, Ooh, during the worship really service. And some of them, man, what, one of the students said they, you know, basically gave their lives to Christ this week. Uh, Another wow. one of the students said mm-hmm. they had a friend pass away two weeks before they came, and this has been healing for them. Another student said. Um, that they were really struggling with doubt, like intense doubt before they came to this camp. And they, in fact, they weren't even wanting to come. Mm. Yeah. And they came now and they, they said they feel so much stronger in their faith and have had many of their questions answered. And so it, it, tonight, for instance, they were doing an Ask Anything session during dinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonathan Morrow, the director here, was explaining, he was breaking down the Trinity um, and why so it wasn't a logical contradiction and, and what exactly it was. And also the, the dual nature of, of Christ, you know, the full, fully God, fully, God, yeah, fully human. And the really kids were asking, how can that be? And Nerva looked over at me and she was like, man, this should be happening in every every church. Oh, you know? gosh, yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Because, you know, when you think about it, um, even for our listeners right now, you know, if, some, if, um, if a Muslim came up to you and said, you know, why do you guys worship three gods in – you know, you say it's one guy, but yet it's three guys. That's a logical contradiction. It can't be true, you mm-hmm. know. And many Christians, I think, wouldn't even know where to begin with that. And so, you know, I think, um, man, like I said, if you got high school students or know of any, I would just highly recommend you jump on there as quickly as possible and, and send them out. We'll be here again next year uh, for immersion. I'm I'm pretty confident unless, you know, yeah. unless the Lord wills we otherwise. So. But, it was um, also cool to see a couple people we've had on the podcast come out and teach. Alisa Childers was here, right. yep. as well as Jay Watts. And I tell you, he was amazing on the podcast, but hearing him live, it's like fire. <laughs> it's yeah, amazing. He's a powerhouse. Oh, man. And I mean, it's intense information. I mean, he just really passionately, you can tell it's from the depths of his heart and soul that he's presenting the arguments for pro-life. It's very, very wow. riveting to hear him live. I walked in like, yikes, okay. This is in Atlanta, right? Pine Mountain, yeah, Georgia. south of Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, south by about an hour. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, well, man. For, for all of our listeners, again, this is the same organization that we talk about every week, impact360.org. And so you can get a taste of all the stuff that you're hearing about at impact360.org. They have online courses for Truth Worldview, the Resurrection of Jesus, about Gen Z. And so do those online courses, use the promo code FREEMIND for $20 off. And then definitely if you have high school students, maybe you're a youth pastor or you work at a church mm-hmm. with a youth ministry, definitely look into the immersion camp. And so the uh, in registration and enrollment links will be in the show notes and share those around. So it's cool. It'd be great to hear more stories. I'd love to hear that teaching on the Trinity too, uh, that oh, Jonathan yeah. Morrow did. That Yeah, man. Yeah, it's really good stuff. 
So we had another exciting thing happen this week. Uh, Sean McDowell, he's a well-known apologist and you know active on Twitter, social media speaker, actually gave us a shout out. He uh, did. mentioned the Free Mind podcast. Quick backstory too, like, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but when I was struggling with, with doubt really bad in high school, um, there there weren't many apologetic resources available at that time, or at least I didn't know of any. You know, I, at the Christian bookstore, if if you found a couple books, it'd t- typically be in a back corner somewhere. <laughs> and most people didn't even know where to point you, but a, a guy, and you know the, and you know him, Stephen Robert Vandermotten, mm-hmm. at our uh, church, actually, you know, he found out what I was struggling with, and, and he passed me two Josh McDowell books. Right. And, I, man, I just I ate these books up. I read through them. One of them was Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and I think another one was um, More Than a Carpenter. Actually, it was three of them he let me borrow. The other one, I think, had to do with cults hmm. and just different hmm. religions like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness and all that stuff. So I just really, I, you know, Josh McDowell is one of those one of the many apologists that God used in my own journey to help me maintain my Christian faith through those times of the kind of the dark valley. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting now his son, Sean, is doing apologetics, and he's actually a professor at Biola now as well. Oh, wow. And um, and so, yeah, man, he's he does an amazing job. He, he communicates so well, especially to youth. Um, yeah. I think he taught at a – high school, um, like Bible school for a while. I think he still does that because a lady reached out to me on Instagram and said he teaches her son's Bible school class, and um, she was kind of cool. It was cool to see her, see the post that we had posted. For sure. Of him giving us a shout-out. So I was like, oh, it's, that's nice to hear that he's doing a lot of things in youth. Like yeah, camps man. and things, so yeah. Yeah, so he actually, he was actually, he's one of the speakers they have every year at Immersion. Okay. And so he was he was here, um, and then but we you know we hadn't had a chance to really talk to him or spend because we're kind of like in and out preparing for worship. He was in and out preparing for the sessions, and then when we were coming off the stage after leading worship one night, he was like, "Hey man, I, I checked out your podcast. It's really good. I I tweeted about it, and you know that just meant so much. Like yeah. full circle oh, for man. me. Really cool. I was like, coming Seth, back from take a moment, soak this in. This is a really cool thing. So I'm yeah. so really glad for you, love." That's awesome. Yeah, and one of the first apologetics conferences I went to, it was the um, Southern Evangelical Seminary, I think, put it on in um, North Carolina. But Josh McDowell was there, and I got to hear him for the first time um, really addressing you know, sexual purity and pornography to the youth. And he was impassionate and really, you know, really impressed the importance of these things uh, to youth. And then he was actually there with William Lane Craig at that same conference that I went to years ago. So that was cool. Kind of my foot in the door. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, man. And 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 Josh, I think his dad has moved a lot more toward that um, topic in the past. Right. I don't know, ten, fifteen years. So he's um, he's been speaking on that issue a lot. And what's interesting, one of my fa- favorite sessions here is one that Sean McDowell does on pornography. Oh gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's always really, really powerful, man. He gives really practical tools for for helping people and helping them understand, you know. What it what it typically comes from, how to ha- get gain freedom from it, you know, and mm-hmm. they really have honest talks, and they the students break off into small groups after that, and so yeah, it's and what it's, I'd recommend that particular talk which he has on his website for man, any, really anybody. What were you gonna say? About yeah, it? it just it's really eye opening to see how many young people might be struggling with that. You know, yeah. when I was coming up, it was just more adults, and you had to kind of 
drive off into the woods off of the the billboard sign and but today <laughs> it's just so available at the push of a button so right he really preaches how to guard against that and to and what to do so it's you're right yes yeah, so you very, can go i think to his website maybe we can mm-hmm. link this to Stephen. but shawmcdowell.com Org, I believe, and yeah. you can look up that title there. Yeah. What you got, babe? Yeah. Also, um, young girls as well as guys yeah. struggle. It's not just a male thing anymore. It's lots mm. of females that are overcoming and um, falling into that kind of addiction in their youth. So very, very. Yeah, the eye-opening. stats that he gave. Oh my gosh, amazing. blew my mind. It, everything from like the amount of pastors that engage mm-hmm. in pornography right. in a month mm-hmm. to how many, how the pornography has grown for women over the years, and he said even the types of pornography that the young ladies and women are consuming have changed over the years so he really goes in depth into that mm-hmm. stuff and it's it's really eye-opening and kind of you know it's 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 sad and it's, it's just where our, where our culture is with that and that's why teaching is so important for sure to, to understand what it is its impact and how to guard against it it's not just um watching something it's it's affecting your mind your soul yeah, and really just wreaking havoc on the soul. Mm. So yeah, mm. it's really good stuff. Yeah, and his website is seanmcdowell.org and he's on Twitter, yeah. Sean underscore McDowell. And we'll have both those links in show notes. And speaking of uh, clicks of a button and entertainment, you know, I thought, <laughs> man, there was so, there's so much going on this week. And, you know, if we're stumbling over our words tonight, we apologize because yes, we're, we're just, we've <laughs> been in <good>. immersion. <laughs> we've been in <laughs> <a> camp, <laughs> and, uh, which has been so awesome, but it's like my, my brain you- is noodles. Now they let you guys keep your phones, but the students lose yes. theirs. Is that, is that what happens? Oh, yes. I, I think next year I'm gonna give it to them though when we walk you know in what as I'm well. Saying? <laughs> Should yeah. We can immerse ourselves. Exactly. The- you know, we sit in most of the classes every year as well because mm-hmm. we just we love them and um, mm. it's a good refresher course. But so we're just a little bit uh, a little slow tonight, a little a little loopy. <laughs> a little loopy. But I, I came across this article. Uh, from Sean the other day, and I and I retweeted it, but it was on Stranger Things. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, Stephen, if you're <laughs> – are you caught up on – do you watch Stranger Things? Well, I'm not at liberty to say, but pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> uh, okay. I have, I have seen – you know, it's one of those cultural things that I, I was – I found really curious. And, um, you know, Whitney and I tried starting it. It's definitely not her thing. I know. I and could so, tell. I bet. Yeah, yeah. And so I did. I did um, – I've watched the seasons as they come out uh, on lunch breaks and such, but yeah, I did. I, I've seen them all. Are you caught up as well or no? Yeah, I'm caught Seth up. Is. Nerva, I took a break. I left her on the side of the road here sure. on this last season. I had to pause. Through. <laughs> this is not a, 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 a media review podcast. But no. This, this last season was gross, and it was just visually and gory and kind of gross. Intense, and so right? I was, there were some interesting moments and pretty good storytelling here and there, but I wasn't super enthused with it. Okay, mm, it okay, okay. I feel you. I feel you. So, I don't know if our listeners know this, but we have we talked about your movies podcast before on here. I can't remember if we have <laughs> it. Stephen no, does have a movies. What, what is yes. it? At, at the movies? No, no. Thank you. Thank you for remembering. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called Movies on the Side. Movies, movies on, on the Side. side. I always mess up that title. Movies on the Side dot com is the website. But one of the things that Brother Nate Baranowski. Me and him are on the podcast together, and uh, we have a lot of fun. But but neither of us really like scary. We don't watch scary. Okay. Movies. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. And uh, and Nate's tolerance for this kind of stuff is is even lower than mine. Like he just does not. So this uh, Stranger Things is not on the menu for uh, movies on the side, <laughs> for sure. Gotcha. gotcha. And what this surprises me because Seth is hooked. He loves it. And 
we both don't like scary either. And he had to really hold my hand on the first season and walk me through the episode. I was like, are you sure it's not scary now? I'm going to be upset if it's yeah, scary. Yeah, so nervous when I watch anything like. <laughs> no. I put scary in quotes. Nay. Because like, even if it's like The Matrix or something, she's like. I she couldn't watch The Matrix movie. by myself. I was like. So every, si- every time something's happened, I got to tell her like, okay, there's going to be a big bang If he doesn't warn me, here. oh. Boom. It, and if I forget, she's <laughs> giving me the death <laughs> still for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it's the setting that makes it a little less scary for you. And uh, the 80s, well, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know the why nostalgia. it doesn't seem scary. It, the nostalgia is awesome. Yeah, the nostalgia factor is great. I think that's the best part of the show for me. Yeah, yeah I love the sure. music, the song choices, the yes. uh, throwback. It's just, it's fun. It now, takes you back for sure. And as a caveat, we will say... Uh, one of this other articles I'm going to reference by John okay. Stone Street, he actually wrote something on it as well. Um, but he says sure. it's not a family show, and I think oh he's my. right about and it, that. And this, for some <laughs> reason, I'm with you, Stephen, and I, I don't even have to ask you. I know the answer to this question. Would you let your kids watch the show? Oh, of my goodness. Of course not. But I think I, as I was watching two episodes in, I was like, I am watching something that I would not want my kids, if I had kids, to watch. But it's mostly kids that are starring in the show. And right. so I was it, I was hit by that. I said, this is not, I, in, in a day and age where um, lots of anxiety and fear and stress and right. suicide, I think this show, as popular as it is, I had to process now this, it, it's it's huge. And it's at Netflix number one right now. I watch think shows. this is season. season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think I had to kind of pause and, and filter like, you know, this is, it's fun to watch if you like this kind of stuff, but it is not, I'm with John Stone Street. It's not family friendly for me. I'm like, like as an adult. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the reasons why I am interested to watch is because these kinds of shows and mm-hmm. content is now what shapes our culture. Sure. Because you, you cannot go on social media or interact with anything on there without this being part of the conversation like True. when it comes out. True. You know, if you go on Twitter when Stranger Things comes out, every other tweet is an allusion to it or a meme about it. And it just engulfs kind of the culture for a moment. You know, this <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff, a totally. Taylor Swift music video, yeah. um, any of these kinds of, you know, like an Avengers movie, these things are just what shapes culture. Right. And so I think it's kind of important to know what is what is actually happening in these things. Absolutely. You know, before we jump into the article and, and this season of Stranger Things, I saw another recent article that talked about the 13 Reasons Why series that was on Netflix. And that was based on the book and had the girl uh, who committed suicide oh, yeah, and the whole one. series is about that. And mm. there was a very graphic scene depicting her committing suicide. Wow. I, I did not see that series, but I, okay. I read a lot of articles about it. Every Christian author and speaker was saying, do not, you know, okay. allow your children to see this because it almost glorified suicide in an unhealthy mm. way. But Netflix actually, after I think a year or two since this series came out, removed the suicide scene. Yeah, I heard about that. Ooh. Yeah, they were getting a lot of feedback from, I think it was like counselors and doctors even saying like, this this is a damaging scene and this is too far. It well, is I'm too glad. far. And so Netflix actually issued that. an apology and, and removed that scene. But this is also a year or two after it's released. You know, the damage is done. And it's hmm. not until it's it's sure. consumed, and so that's why I think it's important to to know at the very least what not to watch. You know? For sure, <laughs> and this for Good. sure is is not a family friendly series either. Mm. Right, you know, and and part of the reason I think it does portray like 
teenagers having sex. It doesn't it doesn't show any nudity, thankfully, because mm-hmm. if it did, I wouldn't mm-hmm. watch it either. It's mm-hmm. that right. crosses the line for me, but um, but it does present it, you know, kind of in a casual sense, and it also has the kids like cursing quite a lot, gotcha. <laughs> like right. just going in on it. It's got um, some sensuality, and it's and it's got some gory, kind of violent. It's scary to me. <laughs> moments, in but it. you know, just and if you're uh, if you're weak at heart, it's scary. Sure, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do I do see the attraction. Yes. I really applaud the you know it in a day of, me, of, sure. of so much. Is it sci-fi? You consider it sci-fi? I think so. Yeah, yeah. so, so much we'll sci-fi out that, yeah. there. It's got its own niche. It's yeah. a creative plot, and the characters are adorable. Like I have, sure. you do fall in love with the characters on there. They're just well developed, even in their youth stage. And I, I right, I do especially see Eleven. That. She's oh, our, she's, she's amazing. Our favorite, oh, yeah. so. and she is amazing. Here's an interesting thing too. For most people. I, I, maybe they do know this. I didn't know this till recently, but they actually film it in Georgia. So like mm-hmm. about 40 minutes, 30, 40 minutes from where we are here at Impact. Because we have a friend that's a stand-in. Shout out to Shout uh, out Brother Jared. Jared if he's Jared. listening. Um, but he's a stand-in for like a lot of the Marvel movies. Right. He's done like Captain America, mm-hmm. uh, Iron Man, all those yeah. guys. But anyways, he said, you know, he's been a fan of the show of Stranger Things for a while. And he just saw her in Eleven and her sister in Sprouts. Uh, it's like a Grocery little store. public grocery store, <laughs> store the other day. <laughs> yeah, he said they were running around with the buggy. That's, <laughs> That's cool. Acting like kids Can in the store. Can you imagine seeing her? And, and he's like, man, and she makes such and such money per episode. It's just crazy to think about. Right. But yeah. um but anyways, they record, yeah, they make those movies here in Georgia. And he actually got called in to do, be a stand-in last minute for the guy who's the scientist and, no, who's kind of like the conspiracy theorist guy who translates Russia, Russian. Oh, yeah, Murray. Yeah, uh, yeah I couldn't remember his <laughs> name, but I think cool. he did a stand-in scene for him. Right, really? Uh, yeah. And so he said it was really cool to see just the, the set and everything as a fan. So That's I thought so that was neat. Yeah, man, because I had no idea. And many actually many people – that I've talked to didn't know that they were making, they make all these Marvel movies, uh, Black Panther, Infinity Wars, Endgame, all that stuff here in Georgia as well. Right. Right. Um, And so that's why when they were many, the Hollywood people were saying they were going to boycott Georgia. I think people were like, what do you mean boycott Georgia? Well, a lot of the films (laughs) they're making now for Netflix and uh, many of the streaming services, Tyler Perry's got studios here as well. And, um, so anyways, I think they were, they were wanting to boycott and they, a lot of people move their taping here because they get big tax breaks, mm-hmm. um, right. compared to LA. So anyways, that's just a little bit of background here. And just as a little bit of more, uh, fun background before we jump into Sean's article, I think there's some really nerdy Stranger Things fans. So they got upset that, you know, when they do planks, uh, spoiler alert, by the yeah, way, yeah, if you yeah. haven't seen it and spoiler you're going to watch alert. it, um, we're just going to give away some stuff here. So I apologize, but, um. You know, they had to get Planck's constant at the end there to uh, put the code in. Well, apparently, Planck's constant has changed over the years. Like, as as scientists have fine-tuned it, certain digits have changed numbers, like in small ways. Right, right. And so when they used Planck's constant on that last episode, they actually used the number as it was in 2014 rather than it was in 1985 when it should have been. (laughs) I see. And so apparently— Apparently, people oh, were going wow. nuts because because Stranger They're, Things does such a good job with being really accurate wow. with all their uh, portrayals of the '80s and and just right. timing and everything. So that's, that's real hilarious. Uh, <laughs> nerd trivia there for you. But that's that's what comes from an internet pedant. That is exactly. <laughs> 
where that comes from. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You push the glasses and, up the nose and you say, oh, well, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, right, well, actually. Um, I would not have caught any of that. So anyways, okay. but, okay. you know, I thought that, that I got that from the John Stone Street article. We can link that to I'll send that to yes. you. It's real short. Okay. But one thing, one of the things that he does point out that he says it's a bigger way that they missed it. You know, that's just kind of a little fun, nerdy thing mm-hmm. that they missed. But one of the things he said, a, f- a pastor friend of his pointed out, was that the show almost completely leaves out religion. Hmm. And he said back in the 1980s, oh. suburban Indiana would have been filled with Christianity, churches Ooh. with signs advertising Sunday's message, prayers before meals, and families actually going to church would have been common sights. Yet of the four main families involved in the show, the only hint we mm-hmm. get that any of them is a bit is a least bit religious is a funeral in season one conducted by a minister. Now pause mm-hmm. on that. Cause we're going to come back to that. But the other part that he said, and I, I agreed and Steven, I'll be interested to hear how you felt about this, but I kept, I, I was thinking, man, they haven't capitulated yet to having an LGBTQ character. Oh, and, you know, typically there was a Babylon Bee the other day, I think, that said people were <laughs> were protesting because they this show only had straight characters or something like that. I can't. It was it was funnier than that, but it was something along yeah, those yeah. lines. I was I was thinking that, too. With, and then all of a sudden they hit us with it in that next right. to last episode. And the right. way it was done was okay, so jerry rigged. I thought like when it when it happened, I was like, oh, that's so bad. That's such a, okay. a force fit of an yeah. agenda. It didn't. You you know, and again, like I'm, if a if a movie has it where it it where it works, you know, mm-hmm. you can kind of right. say, okay, I see how that fits and naturally Open happens. In, but yeah. then sometimes it's like you can tell they just had to like do a political agenda where it didn't even fit, mm. and that's right. what they did with this girl, uh, the girl serving ice cream. Nerva hadn't seen that far yet, but they they end up making her, and it just doesn't fit. So I'm gonna read this little paragraph John okay. wrote. I, I don't know how you felt about that part, Stephen. It felt, it felt a little tacked on, and it was yeah, yeah. it was kind of one of those things where you, the only reason to do it, oh is yeah, to is to have that part in there, and you know what it felt like to me. It felt as bad, and it, I know you guys have critiqued some of the faith based movies, yes. but you know, you know, one of your critiques has been <laughs> that they unnaturally just put stuff in to right. to promote their agenda. This was. This was that. Mm, right. I see. It did not fit. It okay. was Jerry rigged It was awkward. And I it see. was, this is an interesting point, though, that he makes. He says, I've, I've, this is John speaking. He says, I've wondered now for three seasons whether the show should, would submit to having the obligatory LGBTQ character. They did in season three, adding a lesbian character who, in her strangely timed coming out, talks about her sexuality in a way that feels far too 2019. Mm. Right. He said, as one self-identified gay commentator on Facebook remarked, a teenager in a small town in the 1980s wouldn't even have have the vocabulary to, quote, come out the way this character does. And yet the show's writers included it with loud praise from secular media. Right. And he goes on, he says, for a series known for its unpredictable and opaque plot, the political priorities in Stranger Things were all too clear this season. And this, I love this line here. And for a series known for its accurate retelling mm-hmm. of the 1980s, this scene came across like a wrist, wristwatch in Braveheart. Uh, oh. <laughs> he said, okay. wrong time, wrong place. And wow, I felt exactly, okay. I think Did he you? nailed it. I see. Because I was wow. like, oh, this is so, I heard, I, again, now, 
this is a show because of what I've heard about it. I would never even give a chance. If you watch the show, not not to shame you or bring condemnation, I would just say based on the stuff I've heard about it, there I would consider the argument that it's probably not wise for any Christian to watch. That's Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones okay. Um, what I've heard about is basically full on pornography in many of the episodes. But I, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. Wasn't there a controversy lately where there was like a Starbucks cup? Left in a scene or something. <laughs> I saw, yes, I was didn't that see a, that, but I I saw the memes and I think yeah, there was, was there was yeah was it okay. cup oh, yeah. I didn't know if that was for real. Oh, that's funny. It was for real. Yes, it was left on set. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's a period piece based. You oh, know, wow, that's funny. Right back medieval in the Dizay, kind of yeah, medieval yeah. times. So th- this this felt like that to me. It felt yeah. like, are you serious? This just this doesn't. This is whack ninety nine. To kind of go back to you guys probably saw both of you saw this episode, but early on the lifeguard Billy, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, the, he plans this meetup with Nancy's mom, yeah, yes. Karen Wheeler. We see her getting dressed up and putting on makeup, trying to meet Billy. Sure. And but we see Billy get taken by the monster or whatever. And you know, the next day the mom goes to Billy and says, like, sorry, I couldn't do it. I have a family. And yeah. for me, that felt of the time. It did. And, yeah, yeah. And You're almost right. was a, a, a positive check to say, okay, you actually kind of put some family value sure. priority. Some convictions. In, and, yeah. in this, yeah, into this modern For sure. Thing. And um, so I was happy about that. And that's why for, from that and then, you know, uh, Robin coming out second last episode, again, it felt even more like. Yeah, yes, it did. It felt that, like the. And again, not to critique any and all presentations of mm-hmm. any different types of expressions or struggles or whatever it might be. It just you could tell this was so awkward. Like you said, a yeah. wristwatch on Braveheart. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if you guys, Stephen, if y'all typically go into worldview on movies on the side and talk like about it every once in a while we when we did god's not dead we for sure did okay what's interesting about this camp another thing every year they actually take one of the nights and they watch a movie and they break it down from a worldview perspective i didn't get to sit in on it this year but i think it was infinity wars that they did and they Uh, talked about the utilitarianism of thanos you know right and that's That's basically the ethical framework that you know where you what makes an act right or wrong is based on, you know, if it brings good for the greatest amount of people or not. That's that's a really simplified version of it. But Right. And how the weaknesses of that view. So it's really cool, but I, I think it's one of the things we want to help people do in Free Mind. This is a good exercise for all of us Christians is, you know, like I said, some things we should just practice abstinence. You just shouldn't watch. There's other areas where it's a little more gray. Like you may feel like, and I can't even watch Stranger Things, and that's good. Like mm-hmm. don't do it if you feel like that. Um, but there's, I feel like there are some of those shows that are more in the gray area. But wh- whenever you do watch shows, what you need to do is analyze it from a biblical perspective. Understand like the underlying worldview. What right. what is what is kind of what are the things that are presupposed or taken for granted um, and then what are the things that are that are more explicit because what what Jonathan again going back to the John Stone Street thing he said season three is a reminder that C.S. Lewis once said the most dangerous idea in a culture are not the ones argued but the ones that are assumed mm. stories can powerfully assume ideas and unless we've got a strong sense of discernment things can appear normal that well shouldn't be and so you want to be aware when you watch a movie even more so sometimes than than like that jerry-rigged lgbtq thing that one's easy to see coming 
But what's not as easy to see is the underlying worldview mm. that's not argued for, but just assumed. And I remember, mm. I don't know if you were there for this, Stephen, but one time at our church, this uh, they were doing Freedom Ministries, and the guy got up and he said, you know, I don't let my, wa- my kids watch Scooby-Doo. Ooh. And many of the people were like, yeah, 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 I don't either. And he said, but... But I can almost guarantee you it's probably not for the reason you think. Mm. You probably think I don't let them watch it, right, because there's demons and ghosts and ghouls and goblins and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, people kind of shaking their head. He said, actually, if that were the case, I'd let them watch it. Mm. He said, the reason I don't let them watch it is because at the end, it turns out what they think is supernatural is always natural. Mm. Right. And he said that assumed perspective is what's really almost constantly present in our culture, is the weeding out of the supernatural. And he said, mm. I think that's more dangerous even mm. than seeing okay. a cartoon ghoul and ghost. <laughs> sure. Okay. And he was just making a point, not yeah. that you yeah. should watch The Exorcist and all that stuff, but no, the idea no. of that underlying worldview yeah. shaping us. And I, and I remember that. You remember Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Ooh, Jr., the yes. first one, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I remember walking out of the theater thinking the same thing mm-hmm. of like, man, this is, this is a really good presentation yeah. of naturalism. In wow. that movie, especially, you know, that opening scene in the first Sherlock is basically a seance and kind of this like sacrifice ceremony. Yep. And it, it opens up and, and I watched it with Whitney and we were like, whoa, this is pretty intense. Yeah. And by the end of it, it trivializes all of those things to say like, yeah, it was all smoke and mirrors and we have an explanation for everything as if to say doing a ceremony like that means nothing. Mm. And I think that's what we're talking about. Like, actually, that's the issue if you think that it is trivial that those kinds of things don't mean anything right Uh, or you know explaining them in terms of nature and and, and physics and chemistry right and that those those realities aren't real is basically what you get and i think even in that movie they reference the resurrection in in sherlock holmes i can't remember it's been a long time since i saw it but uh, he basically gives a a naturalistic explanation of that or a, a kind of a side swipe remark about it Right. This is what Sean McDowell's t- take is on Stranger Things. And I don't know if you want to read any of that and kind of jump into it. There's- and I'll say before we even, um, I know we keep saying before we get to the actual thing, but <laughs> just a quick, so much media and TV shows and movies. As Christians, we don't want to watch because of nudity, sexuality, language, all those kinds of things. And there are two services that I use regularly. One is called VidAngel and the other is called ClearPlay. And both of those allow you to rent movies and stream movies through Netflix, Amazon Prime, and a couple other services. And you can actually filter out curse words. You can filter out nudity and sexuality, even violence. It's so granular that you can filter out certain curse words and not others. Wow. And you can really go down the list. And so we use that regularly. And you can actually watch Stranger Things through VidAngel. And it will filter like the curses out and all that kind of stuff. You can do Game of Thrones through services like that. You know, there are some options, uh, if especially you want to watch a movie, even like we watched Infinity War uh, with my kids through ClearPlay. Mm. And it filtered out all the bad language and all that kind of stuff. And so oh, that's uh, cool, man. Pretty, really use, pretty useful for that. I need that. to check that out. So 
basically, Sean McDowell in this article is comparing naturalism versus supernaturalism. And we've talked about naturalism on the podcast before, but here in the article, he defines it as the worldview that says only material things exist. So such that immaterial things like souls, angels, and God are not real. And he's arguing that the Stranger Things universe really skews to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a supernatural worldview would be something that a Christianity would hold to and Islam and other religions, but that we do believe in a God and we do believe in a spirit, spirituality and spirits, both angels and demons, and how even the Apostle Paul writes, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. He actually had to convince me a little bit here because if you watch Stranger Things from the beginning, it does really feel supernatural. You know, there's this upside down, like there's this other world and some outside of reality type things that happen and in the last season there's like some mind control and a lot of weird stuff but uh but he really does argue and i think makes a good argument even the children look to science they look to their teacher they look for natural explanations naturalistic frameworks in which to destroy the demogorgon or the bad guys or whatever to explain (laughs) what's going on yeah. Then he he argues that Eleven is more like an X Man than a something else. But Eleven's superpowers are still kind of nebulous. Some you know the show doesn't really tell us exactly how mm-hmm. she has those. But but for the most part, the world he sets up is is godless and spiritless. Yeah, and that's really interesting. And in that I think you're right. If you just kind of watch it the first time, yeah. you think, oh wow, it's a it's a like these are demons. Or you know, ghosts or monsters sure. or something. Right. What they are, yeah. But you know, and again, you define this, but naturalism says that only material things exist. It's the it's the idea, you know, nature. Nature is all that there is. There's, there was the old Cosmos series with Carl Sagan, where he says the cosmos is all there is, was, or ever will be. Mm-hmm. And that view starts within the beginning was the matter, you know. And the matter, we basically everything it emerges on top of that, and that can get cashed out as basically all there is is the universe or multiverse. Right. So what we see in the Stranger Things is basically kind of a multiverse. And why do we why do we know that? Well, exactly what you said. He where do they go? When they're having trouble with these monsters, do they approach a spiritual leader mm. or a, a pastor, a guru, sure. or something like that? Where, who do they go to? Mm-hmm. They go to a scientist. Mm-hmm. See, and one of the one of the things that goes along with naturalism is a view about knowledge called scientism, right. and it's basically the only way we come to know things is through the scientific method, and specifically through empirical means, what you can test with your five senses because everything that exists can in in theory be detected by the five senses and can be reduced and explained in terms of physics and chemistry mm-hmm. and so that's why they go to him and he kind of explains i don't know if you remember this analogy he uses but the ant how the ant walks you know right. basically around I, I forget it was season one and it's been so long but for instance like a, a pole or something you know the ant only when he's looking at one side of it, it looks two-dimensional or whatever but then he goes on the on the exact underneath it you could be walking an ant could be walking the same thing same way and see the exact same thing right is the ant on top but it's really they're on opposite planes and so the upside down becomes like another another reality but then it comes into contact with our universe and you could actually reach that reality through physical means and the demogorgon and all those things are physical in other words like when you have demons and spirits they're not things 
that in in their nature mm-hmm. you couldn't capture them on an iPhone camera. Right. You know what I mean? But you yeah. can capture the mind flayer and the <laughs> demogorgon because <laughs> yeah. they're just as physical right. as you and me. They're just mm-hmm. located in a different section of this alternate parallel universe or whatever it is. Right. And the person that they find and helps them stop the mind flayer and all that is another scientist, the Alexei character, right. who is the Russian scientist and, you know, who they need the translator for and all that kind of stuff. You know, it is with the scientists who has the answer and can stop whatever it is. You see, again, if it, what John Stone Street pointed out, there's this removal of religion and churches and stuff like this, there's a highlighting of who the people that are really in the know, whether they're scientists, why? Because all there is is this physical universe slash multiverse. And that's important to understand. And really what's interesting about that, because I've spent so much time now um, studying these issues, the upside down to me feels so fictitious and fantasy. That's why it wasn't scary to me. Okay. Um, whereas if it was like demonic, sure. it would actually be scary to me because mm. based on stuff I've read and yeah. people's testimonies and even my own experience, I actually think that that's real. Mm. Right. So something that's completely fantasy to me, like this upside down that there's no evidence for, actually doesn't scare you. It was just good fun for me. Sure. But what's interesting is, so here's here's what movies, art is going to appeal to what's called a plausibility framework. Mm-hmm. And so if you're writing a movie or whatever you're writing, you want people to believe that what you're writing, at least in that story world, could actually take place. And if you can get it cl- as cl- even closer to the real world that we really live in, so much the better. Like, for, Especially for sci-fi, you want to make it, Absolutely. quote unquote, realistic. So I think the way to do that these days tends to be more naturalistic in its explanation. Hmm. And that's because we are so formed by naturalism in our culture, secularism, that it's – I don't know if Stranger Things would have as much appeal if it was just regular old demons. (laughs) What makes it it interesting and almost like I think for the average person – to think, man, this could happen is if you ground it in naturalism. Ooh, wow. Right. And um, I, I think that I see that in movies like X-Men as well. Like okay. if you can give it an evolutionary mm-hmm. explanation and say, man, we've seen this kind of evolution take place throughout natural history. Who's to say that a human can't grow wings or, yeah. you know, right. the ability for to transport themselves physically like that? That fits our pl- what we think is plausible. Hmm. is a reality yeah. and that's our plausibility structure you had something to add to that babe yeah i remember after i watched jurassic park i was like wow turning in every corner making sure i, <laughs> yes. I wasn't at the corner because they did a good job at, at, at trying to show me like this could happen you know this this evolution of sorts of animals could could take over our our world and stuff right. so you're right i can i can see that being the yeah. aim yeah so what's so what's interesting now if you're gonna set out to write a, a movie that's kind of scary mm-hmm. i think you have a better chance of getting more people on board if you can make it scary but with no. a naturalistic framework Jeez. than scary based with, on a spiritual okay. one these days now there still are a lot of spiritual horror movies and you know you can freak people out with that as well but i just i find that by and large Mm. it fits people's plausibility framework like huh this could really happen if they think of it in terms of right physically it can it has an explanation okay but the interesting part about this all is to again for when you're watching a show like this it is really good to think through what for them is their picture of reality 
Ooh, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Um, what is the fundamental nature of reality in this show? Sometimes it's hard to tell. Sometimes it's ambiguous. Sometimes you get mixed messages. It's not always clean cut and textbook. You know what I mean? But it's right. a great exercise to always ask, like, what is what is the those big worldview questions? What is the fundamental nature of reality? How do they how do they present people as knowing things? Right. What's what's what are the criteria of for knowledge in this movie or show? What is the the moral framework? Who 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 do they want you to come away with thinking is the good guy and why? Mm. Who's the bad guy and why? Mm. What is good and bad based on? And does is it coherent? Because you've you've talked a lot about this, Stephen. But the coherence in order for worldview to be true, uh, it has to be at least coherent. That doesn't prove it's true, but that's a necessary condition, not a sufficient right. condition. If you don't have coherence, you can't have it. Can't be true. Now here's the here's the interesting part about Stranger Things and any other movie that that tries to that has naturalism as its framework. That nature is all there is. Because when you begin to ask, well, what properties does nature have? Well, it only has physical properties, physics, mm-hmm. chemistry. Um, you know what doesn't have physical properties or, chem- or chemical properties? Thoughts, intentions, mm. moral values. Mm, memories now, how interesting would a movie or show be hmm. if it has no <laughs> thoughts, intentions, so moral values, no so heroes? Sure. No, no true drama, basically. Mm-hmm. So what you what you even see in Stranger Things is they've Nancy Piercy talks about this. They're trying to they're assuming a lower story reality of naturalism, mm-hmm. and they're trying to reach up into the upper story that you only get on on Christian Judaism, you know, even Islam and other um, theistic faiths like that. Mm-hmm. Things like because you know 11 she talks about the bad people mm. and she kills some of the bad people in the first season and you feel like the justice is done right and you feel like the friends are good to each other because they don't lie to each other they you know yeah. it's wrong to lie strong, yeah. it's good to be selfless you love the you love the sure. chief of chief of police because right. he gives of himself he he comes to really protect 11 and and care for her right. he cares for people he puts himself second behind them, which on evolution doesn't really make sense. Mm. On naturalism, there's no good or bad to any of those things. Mm. Moreover, there's no freedom to choose any of those things. So on, you know, and, and the reason is, is because on naturalism, we are just machines. We're like complicated computers. Right. Computers don't have intentionality. They don't have the ability to choose. Mm. So choices are, and this is why many consistent naturalist philosophers and thinkers will have to say things like free will, morality, all those things are illusions. Right. We think they're real, but they're just like demons and ghosts and goblins. So you can't just lop off God and and demons and souls and all this stuff and think that you can keep drama. Mm. But that's that's what they try to do, and it turns out to be a deep incoherence that if you took it to its logical conclusion would make the show completely uninteresting. That's one of the things you see over and over again is is the kids and Eleven and Hopper and all of them constantly jump back into danger to save each other. Right. Or one, when they've had the opportunity to escape or drive away or finally be safe, they always choose in their own peril to help their friends Mm -hmm. and to help their family. And if you think of that evolutionary perspective, survival of the fittest, you would just 
let them be. Right. <laughs> you would, true. You would 100% You'd save, save yourself. yourself. <laughs> yes. You would not jump back into the That's mind flare and That's throw true. some fireworks at it. Like, yeah. that would be and, foolish. And when you think about these are brilliant writers, they uh, they know exactly what their audience is feeling. They know we'll be rooting right. them on. Sure. Like, right. we, they know we will right. be saying, yes, they are doing something good. Mm-hmm. They are the heroes. So true. And yes. so, but but this idea, again, that they can even choose that. Because, again, freedom of the will is not – you can't – you know, like you said earlier, Steve, you're saying they want to see something. Well, you can't see a person. Mm. You can only see their body. I could take nervous – you know, J.P. Moreland uses this analogy a lot, but I could take nervous cells apart one by one and look at each one of them under a microscope, but never can I say there's Nerva or there's Nerva's intention to to go out and uh, go to the store tomorrow or there's there's Nerva's will – to be a good person. See, those are those are items of the immaterial self. Right. And there's even great arguments. Uh, Caroline Leaf, who is a, a neuroscientist, she's written a lot of books. Um, she even talks about the you. You know, sometimes we think, oh, if we lose an arm or we lose a leg, we're still us, or the person is still a person. You know, they don't right. need that limb, but maybe it's because the person is the brain. But even if you look at people who have brain damage or brain trauma or have lost parts of their brain because of tumors, the person is still the person. You know, their consciousness and their thoughts and their emotions, it is apart from the physical reality, the actual organ that is in their skull. And that is the immaterial part that each of us experience as consciousness that you cannot explain just with physical matter and biology and chemistry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's that the final scene. Uh, I won't spoil it too bad, but <laughs> Billy, the lifeguard, has this moment where he's been taken over by the mind flayer and he's succumbed to evil, it seems like. And Eleven, who saw into his past and his abusive father and the mother that he lost, she appeals to this past of his to kind of make him feel emotion again or feel human again. And we see him inexplicably able to now resist the mind flayer and kind of protect Eleven in that. It's this setup of like he is struggling with good and evil inside himself and good is able to overcome evil uh, just by sheer uh, memory, nostalgia, emotion, whatever. And it's like, well, where is even that idea of good and evil coming from in this natural? Why is anything good or evil in this universe? Right. Because again, you can't find that under a leaf or you know on the side of a tree like good and evil those are those are immaterial realities um and so yeah i think in in really you need whole episodes to talk about consciousness and what it is but basically just just wanted to give a quick overview of this show and and how to think through a world viewishly and to remind our listeners like man these are these are some things that the christian worldview Again, like C.S. Lewis says, believe in it not only because I see it, but like the sun, by it I see everything because right. it allows us to hold to these realities that we know are true, that are just as true as the you know the table in front of me. That there is good, there is evil, there is a free will. I, I'm more confident that I have the ability to do A or not A right now to say these next words than I am that even the physical universe exists. Mm. 
Mm. Like I'm, I'm more directly aware of my ability to will something. And I understand that that ability to will something is not physical. And so if, if you're a naturalist, you're, you're typically going to have to be committed to physicalism. The, the physics and chemistry basically can describe everything in full expression. And that's going to limit everything we know to be re- pretty much everything we know to be real about reality, about this, this world we live in. And so, you know, good to think about. You don't just get consciousness consciousness belching out of um, <laughs> this uh, certain arrangement of atoms. Right. And, you know, that, that brings us to deeper questions like, well, what is it? Where does it come from? But, it, you know, like the Bible says, in the beginning was the word. Mm. Mind preceded matter. Mm. Um, and if you start with matter, you can never cross the great divide and get mind. Mm. Mm. Um, so the, the mind flayer <laughs> and the demogorgon. <laughs> And 11 wow. and all of them are just mindless so robots good. on naturalism, so but that won't make for a good show. Mm-hmm. So um, good stuff to think about. I did not think this deeply. You know, it, sure. you can tell we've been at impact. Well, he's been at impact all right. week and a half. Yes. Been, so let me ask you a quick question before yeah, you go. So we're very selective on what we watch and, and what we go to the theaters and see. But these kinds of questions, what, what kind of worldview and what what's what's the um, picture of the universe they're painting? How quickly into a movie are you asking these questions, or are these kind of in the the back of your mind as you're watching everything, or um, you just kind of how do you enjoy something or ride the wave of a story? And at what point do you begin to see these and dissect these different? Well, I have no more enjoyment in life. I just <laughs> <laughs> analyze and assess everything. No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah. I mean you know I pretty I try sure. to. Like, yeah. I do have an artistic side as well. Mm-hmm. I try to enter in and, and sure. suspend disbelief sure. and yeah. all that but stuff. Yeah, but once and, it presents and itself, I, you're able to identify. I think because I've trained and, and just lived in this world for years, sure. I naturally do it. Like, when we watched yes. Infinity Wars, it's I was true. thinking about Thanos and Absolutely. his ethics yeah. involved. Yeah, you recognize it as Yeah, you, you start to just see it. Okay, just, just for like the listeners anything out else. Like, if, you, if you're a... If you do designing for homes, mm-hmm. when you walk in a home, you're like, you can kind of start sure. to see, oh, they did this here and they did that here and this right. works with that. Good. It so just good. naturally happens. But it doesn't It doesn't take away from the enjoyment for me because I still enjoy it. I don't, I don't, I'm not like, I don't see a movie necessarily in, in even, or Stranger Things, the fact that it has naturalism doesn't make me say, oh, I better not watch that. Okay, it just, okay, it, it makes me say, you know, it's good to be aware of it and not mm, be formed by it. So good. And not let your plausibility structures yeah. be shaped by an uncritical approach to current cultural art. Because if it does, you'll start to think naturally that naturalism is a, is a good worldview and that all there is. And that basically the people who really know stuff are scientists, mm-hmm. not theologians, not philosophers. And then you'll make mistakes like Stephen Hawking does in the beginning of his book where he says philosophy is dead. And then he goes on to do philosophy for the rest of his book, but mm. really badly. Wow. <laughs> and wow. because yeah. we live in a culture where the scientists are the priests, they're the new priests, mm. and they have all the knowledge, but it just not, that ends up refuting itself for reasons we've talked about before. And here comes relativism. <laughs> just, <laughs> right. kidding. just kidding. Next topic. So, <laughs> no, no. So but yeah, so yeah, I, I just you. watch it. I yeah. watch it, you know, and I don't, I don't sure. try to be overly pedantic about it. That's I watch good. it, but I'm just, it just naturally happens now because I've, mm. I've kind of trained myself to do it. I feel the same thing as I'm so involved in church service, you know, planning and production. Yeah, exactly. That if I go to another church, I see every detail yeah. and every whatever. I remember Whitney and I were, were sitting in a service one time at another church, 
and they had three screens and the middle screen was like just a few frames slower <laughs> in the video <laughs> And so I, I, leaned, I leaned over to Whitney. You got up and walked, you spit and walked out. And I got, <laughs> That's right. I threw down hilarious. my hat. That's uh, but I, I turned, I turned over to Whitney. I was like, "Hey, do you notice that the thing's a little off?" And, and she leaned, she leaned back over to me and she said, "No one cares." Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so no great. <laughs> Love you, Wit. That's so funny. But it's true. It's true. You, but you sure. see those things when you live sure, in those sure. worlds, like. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you get good at recognizing worldviews and movies and you lean over and tell someone what it is, you know, this is, oh, this is existentialism. They're probably going to say, no one cares. No yeah, one no one cares. cares. Oh <laughs> no, I'm gosh, just kidding. That's so but funny. it is good, man. It's, it's a good practice. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we just good encourage stuff. you, you know, start th- just think through it, think biblically, and think yeah. deeply. Mm-hmm. Think that's deeply. Good. Well, thanks again for joining us on the Free Mind. And it was great that uh, Seth and Nerva got to call in from Impact 360 doing some awesome stuff up there and we encourage you to check them out and pick 360.org and again we'd love to hear from you social media at freemind.fm on instagram twitter facebook oh, page patreon is- too yeah yeah we had a couple people sign up for patreon thank you guys and just we did yes say thank, thank you thank you, to you. Our, thank you so to our much patreon supporters yeah we also have uh, i think two more parts in our interview with the mountain prophet coming out on patreon and so you want to join up and you'll get access to all those episodes immediately as soon as you support the show on Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash freemindfm. And we'd love if you could support us there. And you can email us, podcast at freemindfm, for feedback, questions, anything you'd like to hear or see on the podcast. And uh, thanks for joining us. I wish I would have worked in Free Mind Flayer somewhere. Free Mind Flayer. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>